Hello, and welcome to episode five of Life with Catherine. It's March of 2016. I thought for this episode I'd tell some more personal stories or things I've seen, observations, and uh, stories I've heard over the course of the last while. When I started this podcast, I wanted to talk decided I wanted to talk to people and uh, hear about their lives, but I also wanted to take some time to share a little bit about me too. So, uh, here we go. Oh, there's my daughter downstairs laughing. One day recently, I was dropping my husband at work. Occasionally, I, I will zip him. He doesn't work that far away. And on the way home, it was the strangest thing, not strange, what do I want to say? It was odd, but also kind of peaceful and beautiful. But uh, in one of the tennis courts as I was driving past early in the morning, there was an older couple, or older two older people, they seemed to be a couple, and they were sword fighting with sticks. And I just thought that was incredible. It's like 7.15 in the morning, and they're already out, and. Uh, practicing their skill and sword fighting. There seemed to be some whimsy to it, and I just thought that was an amazing experience. It was just so cool. Also, recently I had a, a funny experience on the SkyTrain. I took the SkyTrain into Vancouver for uh, my day job, and uh, on the way home, um, there's a group that gets on, usually... Uh, around the university area, and it's quite funny. There was a young guy on the train talking to a girl, and uh, she's clearly out of his league, but uh, he's not giving up, and they know each other. And uh, as he comes up to this, he's talking to her um, on the train, and I can hear them, and he's, he, uh, I only hear part of the conversation, but I hear him go, you don't text me back when I text you. And then that point I zoned out for a bit. And then as she leaves the train, he stays on and yells to her, if you don't text me back this time, I'm going to cry about it. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. So silly. Like, uh, what a funny interaction between two people. And, uh, I only heard part of it, but I just thought it was funny, and I wanted to tell you about it on the podcast. I'm the type of person who really can talk to people, and they really open up to me, even at the first meeting, and uh, something that I really cherish about myself. And one morning, I was standing at the bus stop, and uh, there were two ladies there that knew each other. And I started talking with them. Uh, they were having a conversation, and I just naturally had a few questions as it went on. So the lady at the bus stop was, uh, she told me that she was quitting her job after 24 years. And then she sighed really heavy, and she said, they're milking it all they can, and they're being such jerks. She said, they're just absolutely being jerks to me. And Tuesday was going to be her last day. 
And then her body language changed, and she stood up straight, and she said, I'm doing this for me. And it was an incredible change from someone that I had just met and could see two different sides to them. And I thought that was so interesting. This is also something kind of funny and silly that happened today, actually. My husband emailed me from work and he said, uh, this morning there was a, he, he bikes to work in the morning sometimes. And there was a note on the shower room doors at work. Please refrain from consuming your meals in any of the shower rooms. So uh, he had to text me and say, uh, what? I think I'll have breakfast in a room that uh, is full of all sorts of bacteria, sweat, and soapy goodness. I just thought that was so strange. So ridiculous. Anyways. One thing that's clear about me is uh, I have a big imagination. And I like to daydream. And uh, I recently had, the last few nights, I had a very strange dream. And it was very clear when I woke up. So I immediately wrote it all down. and. I'm going to tell you the story of it now, and uh, warning, it's not all roses and rainbows, so be forewarned, but I just wanted to share the story of my dream. Okay. Catherine's Dream, March 26th, 2016. It starts with me at a movie theater, but it's a different kind of movie experience. It's interactive and feels like you're part of the movie. 3D, but your seat also moves and the atmosphere around you also mimics the on-screen happenings. In the dream, I know I'm at a movie. And I know roughly what the story is about. And I'm uneasy, but curious as the opening scene starts. It's Deborah Messing's character standing on the edge of a mountain, on a ledge that seems to be made for walking the plank. She is facing away from the seemingly endless drop to the ground and water below, and talking to another character who is clearly the bad guy with a vindictive edge to him. She's very calm, and her nerves seem non-existent clearly at peace, that the situation is out of her hands. He has long, straight, blonde hair pulled back into a ponytail at the nape of his neck. He spits out the words that in this moment he has all the power. He will choose when to push her off the ledge, be it now, minutes, or hours from now. There is clearly history between them. He had captured her before, and she had escaped, but is back under his thumb. There is something silver near her foot. But I can't make it out. It's blurry and is in my side vision, as if an important detail for later, but uh, nonsensical in this moment. Behind him, built into the mountain, is a lavish home. 
with large windows that meet at each corner. It's minimalistic but extravagant both at once, with wood support beams blending into the mountainside. She looks at him peacefully and says nothing to him. She smiles very subtly with peace across her face and lets herself fall backwards in a sweeping moment of defiance. He is clearly surprised, which then switches to anger, that this moment, his moment of exerting power, is taken away. This is clearly a scene from later in the movie that the story will build to, so we can comprehend what would bring all the characters into this moment and what surrounds the story in its own world. I know that at some point the interactive movie experience will simulate her falling, and I will feel the wind rushing, the sounds and emotions that all wrap around her, and I feel uneasy. I want to leave the theater, but it's dark, and I can only feel my chair. It it looks black everywhere, foggy. I feel safer staying in my chair rather than venturing into the dark, possibly even in the wrong direction. I decide that even when my chair tricks my body into thinking I'm falling, I will just shut my eyes and bear through the inevitable drop. I'm then taken to an early scene from the movie where Deborah's character and her friends are being chased by the blonde-haired villain and his group. He is clearly not the leader, but they had escaped capture under his watch. They've been free for an unclear period of time, possibly a few weeks, but he feels close by. They are climbing up the side of this dusty mountain, choosing man-made routes, not fully knowing which leads where, but I have a sense that uh, they are incredibly resourceful, each in their own right. The others, the other characters are not clearly defined, but there are at least six of them all running together. They reach the wooden framed house surrounded by windows, and they seem to relax knowing they had some time. They look around for any resource, and they all gather items that work with their own skill. The mountain is higher than anything man has built homes in before. Miles and miles high. They know this is a place built with backup escape routes planned. If only they could find them. Change of scene in my dream. Change to office towers that have been clearly built into the framework of the mountains. Two side by side and many other mountains nearby. They seem impossibly high. Buildings, but also mountain. For each corporate tower, there are a few nearby residence and shopping center mountains, each with attaching skyways to get to and from work and home. A mom and her few kids are enjoying a meal in a food court. 
The mom feels uneasy as she feels a very minor shake through the floor. Something is wrong. Something is going to happen. Thinking quickly, she feels the urge to rush through the pathway into the corporate building, having some sense that companies must have more secure standards than residential spots. There is no logic, only instinct. As she reaches the last deck into the corporate tower, she watches the pathway drop. The building she just left is falling, floor by floor to the ground, which is miles and miles down, so it feels endless. She rushes higher toward the roof with her kids. Instinct is all she has. She does not reach the room. She's trying to get to the roof. But it is just a few floors away. There is dust everywhere and smoke. I must get to the roof. I'm in the theater. I know this is a movie, but I want to leave. I don't want to even pretend to feel the floor giving way beneath me or see walls collapse around this woman and her children. It's so high up. The mom wonders, aren't mountains supposed to be secure? They're part of the land. How can this be? She looks across to see levels of car parks. The parking levels being destroyed by the floors above falling on them. It is still collapsing. Her building shakes again. I know this can't be good. Now we are back with Deborah's group. They gather together out near the ledge, and they can see in the distance a very low form of mountain, down across over water. There's a very faint wire line. If you move out onto the ledge, you can see it attaches from the ledge and goes directly towards that spot, with no clear finishing point at that distance. One of the group assesses the details and grabs on confident from years of risk-taking and analysis. They grab hold of the attachment and zip down across the safety. They know the wire will have to be destroyed after they are all safely at the other side, so they can't be followed. The next few follow until there are only two left. Deborah's character will be last and is not worried about the height or the drop, partly because she's seen the others reach the other end safely partly because what torture she had experienced before had dulled any fears of environment. No, it is the blonde guy and his group that scares her. Not a mountain or even falling to her death. There are no visible scars, but the real ones are skin deep. As the last person zips across, she hears movement from the other side of the house. She knows it's him, and there is little chance of escape. There isn't enough time to zip across without alerting him to where the others have found safety. Thinking quickly, 
She runs towards the glass door and grabs a small circular item. She knows what this is for, but I don't understand its use. She rushes to the ledge and puts it in an unseen spot. Feeling like this will be the end spot the blonde guy chooses for her. She also sees the zip line and an extra attachment piece. It's a small silver boot that, when secured onto her foot, will safely carry her across. Not her first choice, but she isn't choosy in that moment. She puts the boot on, double-checks it's secure, and waits for him to come out and find her. She looks at him calmly as he sees her out of the corner of his eye. He's clearly confused, but then resumes his stance of power and control. She bends down and picks up the circular item which fits in the palm of her hand. And now we reach that moment on the beginning where she falls. He says the same words about how he will wait and let her panic increase before pushing her. She will go over the ledge under his power. She smiles very gently, closes her eyes, and falls backward. She knows there will be a very long drop because it's not a straight across the way the others have gone. But she will meet up with them eventually. She lands safely on a different low-rise mountain and cuts both the wire using cuts the wire using the circular device. Without the boot, she doesn't know how he would follow her, but it's best to be safe. I, uh, I kid you not, but this is the moment our cat meowed and woke me up from my dream. <laughs> As I rested, I got the feeling that the building shaking also translated into the story. on the mountain with the house and the blonde villain. But it's slipped away from me as I was waking up and coming out of my sleep. It was a nightmare, but I also wasn't all that scared. It was more just a dream. My friend Lana at work had a really interesting quote that she told me. She was talking about me, and she said she thought of me when she saw this quote. And uh, it doesn't have, um, it, I looked online and it doesn't have uh, who said it or anything. So I can't uh, quote the author of it, but it uh, goes like this. One should never mistake kindness for weakness. For it is in the moments that we apply kindness that our strength is revealed. I just thought that was so lovely of her. Thanks, Lana. For those of you who listened to my earlier podcast about my grandparents and their boat capsizing, I wanted to let you know I did go ahead and purchase the rest of the story from the newspaper. Sorry, sorry I just ran the stairs. <laughs> so, uh... 
I went ahead and purchased that, so it should be coming in the next little while. And so watch for the rest of that story, which uh, is quite exciting for me because it's all to do with my family and my history. Also, future podcasts, I'm trying to get um, my best friend, Kathleen, all the way from when I was little. She's going to be on the podcast talking about, uh, well, whatever she wants, but we'll have drinks and we'll put our feet up and I'm hoping she'll talk about some of her travels and uh, just parts about her life. So I think that'll be really cool. And uh, so that's kind of one of the things coming up. And I'm also going to get Brian on the podcast again and my dad. So if you know of someone who'd be interested in being interviewed, I'd like it to be um, a little bit different than normal. So if you know of anyone interested, uh, just pop me a note. And uh, all my contact details are on my website at lifewithcatherine.com. But uh, I'm slowly starting to build it and uh, just kind of creating something different. And also coming up on the podcast will be uh, the author who wrote uh, about my grandparents in uh, one of the books. So he's going to be on as well. Um, He's out of town right now. So when he gets back in town, he's going to sit down with me very graciously. I know he's a busy guy. So. Yeah, we'll see what comes up in the future, but that's what it is for today. Bye. I didn't just say bye like that, did I? (laughs) I meant goodbye.